Hey, everybody, after what has been an unduly long hiatus, taking full responsibility for that over here, uh, we are back with another episode of Today New Brunswick, Tomorrow the World, uh, with, uh, as ever, Dan Hayward and myself. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Are you is that just kind of a perfunctory uh, kind of response, or no? Things are response? things are actually. I don't know. It's the tail end of my weekend, but it's been a pretty nice, relaxing weekend. So, uh, and I've got a bit That's of vacation cool. coming up this week. Uh, it's my girlfriend's fortieth birthday on Wednesday, so taking a couple of days off after that to just sort of, you know hang out, and enjoy the festivities and that kind of thing. And uh, I don't know. All in all, doing okay. How about yourself? Well, it's all right, man. It's the uh, personal nuances uh, that maybe I, you know, uh, missed somewhat from these mm -hmm. uh, from these conversations. Uh, for those who don't follow me at all on social media, which is probably most of you, uh, if not all of you, uh, I've gone through sort of a pretty. Uh, I went from being unemployed for a year and a half uh, from my university. Uh, job uh, and now I'm working in a completely different sector um, which is cool and I'm doing that in um, St. John, New Brunswick Fort City uh, and it's a pretty completely drastic turnaround uh, from you know what I was up to in Kamloops uh, and it's all happened within seven weeks uh, and I've you know put it out there it's like I crossed this country five times by airplane uh, during that period, and uh, I'll be double danged if I want to wish that experience on anybody, given the state of airlines right now. Just, mm. I've had people say, just get as far, you know, go to Bangor or something, yeah. and then take American flights for your cross-continental thing because it's way better and it's like they actually have competition there mm -hmm. oh you're uh, frozen at the moment dan how are you doing bud i'm doing pretty good i'm doing pretty good i mean it's uh yeah, it's it's uh, everything, getting said in the everything I said before. Yes, like I said, it's getting towards the end of the summer, but it's also the time of yeah. year where I tend to book a little bit bit of vacation time. So I'm looking forward to taking a little bit of time off in uh, yeah. stretches over the next couple of weeks and just you know relaxing. Um, yeah, I'm officially bifocals years old now. That was the other big development I forgot to mention. I'm just waiting to pick them up from the optometrist, but I've gotten to that point of bifocals life. Bifocals in readers? Or as in, well, no, as in like the both, you know, the lenses, I need the readers and, you know, I need to accommodate different wow. sorts of like vision at this point, just because of, you know, the wages of time and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, other than that enjoying summer uh as best i can and uh how's getting acclimatized to uh being back in new brunswick going oh yeah no it's a it's a complete upgrade in every aspect uh minus the fact that you know my, my kids are are now on the other side of the country uh but you know they're they're getting a little bit older um, and just given the state of technology and whatever now um you know, it's 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 not like 1911 or 19, you know, whatever. Exactly. You know, 
they're going to, to, to meet their likely demise in uh, mm-hmm. trenches of Vimy or nothing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> how many how many aspects of history can I just manual in one row? Yeah. Uh, but truthfully, uh, it was, you know, it wasn't so like um, I just had so many balls in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of is what necessitated. Uh, I didn't plan on taking two months off from this uh, or the other one, but it just was like if I tried to do it, I would have been a bad. It would have been a bad job of it, mm-hmm. uh, and it also just would have been stressful in other regards. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's yeah, but it's I'll tell you, man. <laughs> before we get properly into it, um, where's your stance on wildfires right now? Are you like because you went through some pretty serious stuff in your city earlier, like in the spring, and now it's like. You know, Maui, BC, uh, is that any kind of a factor in your life right now? Well, I mean, I was talking to my sister a couple of days ago on her birthday, and uh, she's on the West Coast. Yeah. And those are pretty close. I'm like, my parents are in Alberta, so they're near where a lot of that's going on. And, like, you know, I have friends in, like, Soyuz and, like, those kind of places as well. (laughs) Actually, a friend of mine was just supposed to move to uh, Kelowna this week. (laughs) and has put a pause on that decision. You got to. Um, Yeah. I was traveling through some airport, uh, you know, during one of those uh, five times in a ridiculous, you know, period. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at one point when the Maui fires were like at their zenith, you know, uh, I saw on, you know, airport TV screen, uh, like a Mick Fleetwood's uh, restaurant going up in flames. Oh, like, wow. Utterly fascinated. And I couldn't hear it, but it was just Mick Fleetwood's, you know, broad board side or whatever, whatever it's mm-hmm. called. And the towering inferno. Um, <laughs> and, and like Mick Fleetwood is actually um, at my sister's wedding because my oh, sister. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, she's, she's married to uh, a gentleman who works as an executive in the uh, hospitality industry. Okay. Part of his portfolio, you know, for a period, I don't think anymore, mm-hmm. you know, it ended lately, but uh, for quite a while, like going to Maui and helping Mick and his business partner run their restaurants over yeah. there. Um, like playing golf with Mick Fleetwood. Oh, uh, wow. You know, my doing that's the closest that's that's the closest i've done to anything uh heard of anything famous you know that's but um it's just like it's just whoosh, you know and then my sister's putting an instagram like you know a gofundme link uh for the people that used to work there and stuff like yeah okay this is bizarre and that is post apocalyptic and just whatever. oh yeah so i yeah. moved back into the fog belt to answer your question I moved back into- <laughs> I moved into the fog belt. I moved into like the foggiest part of a foggy city in Atlanta, mm-hmm. Canada. And I love it. I'm just like, bring, like, people should be like, I, I told my kids, I told my kids when I dropped them off, you know, in Kamloops, I'm just like, if you want to like come here and be like climate refugees, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad for your social lives, but I mean, yeah. it's an option, you know, they got basketball hoops here too. They got PS5 mm-hmm. here too. I mean, really. What else do you? What else do you people yeah, have? Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, man, um, thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, and uh, this episode, uh, Dan kind of threw it over to me. 
Um, and I was just like, okay, so in terms of a topic, uh, and I think I said anything but punk music or thereabouts. Yes, yes you so did. So a topic defined by what it is not. Uh, so, Dan, I'd be real interested to hear what uh, you've come up with. I took this in a few different directions. Um, okay. And uh, one of them is, I know we said anything but punk, but my thoughts on this kind of tie into, like, you know, we reference a lot of how, like, local scenes were, like, a really p- important part of how a lot of music germinated for a long time. But, right. like, these days, talk about how it's not so much local scenes where music develops, but, like, sort of these virtual communities or, like, you know, networks yeah. of people on different parts of the world will have similar oh, ideas. Yeah. Um, and this is a an artist from... I believe they're from North Carolina uh, that I heard yeah. about from a friend of mine who works as a translator in Tokyo. Uh, and uh, he had heard of them because he is part of an international community of uh, vintage synth equipment enjoyers. Oh, um, man. That must be this, this is a band called, uh, yeah, it's sort of a solo project from Asheville, North Carolina called That Demon the Sun. Uh, specifically, their latest release, Ghosted, which is their first release uh, incorporating vocals. Uh, previously, it was just all ambient, like ambient analog synth music. Uh, oh. Recorded, they specify in the liner notes, recorded on Sun Damage cassette in one take, uh, <laughs> for the most part. And uh, yeah, Ghosted, their latest release is uh, yeah their first time incorporating vocals, and it's really they. They've described themselves as like a mix of dungeon synth and uh, vampiric bedroom pop. And wow. I don't know if you're familiar with the dungeon synth scene. Nope. That's another one of these kind of like virtual communities that spread up around the world, but kind of in two distinct flavors. Uh, it's actually initially something that initially germinated out of black metal. Uh, I like it already. Yeah, but it was like folks who were part of the black metal scene who wanted to try and experiment with more orchestral type sounds, but they didn't have access to orchestras. They had access to <laughs> shitty keyboards. So is this like trap music then, in a way? This is more like soundtracks to imaginary Dungeons and Dragons games. <laughs> uh, specifically, I, I like one it. of the innovators of the genre is uh, uh, a guy named who goes by the name Mortise. Uh, who never performs without prosthetic nose and ear stuff to make him look like an evil goblin. Um, and usually performs, like, out in the woods, wearing, like, you know, little, like, fantasy costumes and shit. Playing these, like, you know, ridiculous old synth, you know, old synthesizers playing this, like, kind of spooky, like, farty, like, Dungeons & Dragons soundtrack stuff. Um, if you're going to have a niche, that, that's one hell of a niche, I got to exactly. say. Actually, yeah. friends of mine went to go see him recently, and it was quite a performance. Uh but a separate, you know, there's that aspect of the dungeon synth scene that kind of takes itself very seriously. And then there's sort of a more tongue-in-cheek uh, DIY uh, sort of offshoot of that. That's artists like That Demon the Sun and uh, Grandma's Cottage is another one uh, that I could think of off the top of my head. That are Yeah, it's a little sillier, a little tongue-in-cheek. Like, That Demon the Sun's, uh, like, they've... They have songs with names like I Had to Eat My Horse and, you know, Moving Into a Castle, you know, My Thousandth Birthday, Drank Too Much Blood, stuff like that. And it's all kind of like, you know, silly, spooky, but 
just cool, mellow, like, yeah. Just like okay, so old North analog North synth music. Is that like considered in the Appalachian still? Or? Um, I think kind of close, yeah. And it's like, I mean, North Carolina is... gothic kind of whatever. But, oh, but, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I don't know if you... Have you ever heard the uh, Harrow County graphic novels? I think that's what it's called. Uh, I think actually I've got one of them to be honest. Yeah, those that's... are. It's kind of those. Those kind of are like a similar vibe of like spooky Southern Gothic, like you know, stories of old witches and that kind of thing. There we like, go. Yeah. And it's just kind of okay. like uh, Kelsey is the sort of similar single, yeah, single name person responsible for that demon, the sun, who does like. They they handwrite all of the liner notes of their their little cassette releases and hand draw the artwork and it's just you know spooky little drawings of ghosts and castles and stuff. But there's like this whole international scene of people that just kind of they love old synths and will sit and record these like silly little fun songs and put out like cassette releases and put them on Bandcamp. And it's just this wow. whole other community that's that's spread uh... it off as like kind of a tongue-in-cheek iteration of this very serious but also very silly <laughs> subgenre. They're, they're not doing that for the money, Dan. I oh, yeah. It's definitely something for the... I mean, it's the same kind of thing like it, like looking at... Like when you go on Bandcamp like to look at their releases, it reminds me of like when you'd see the old... Like really old like Mountain Goats releases where it's just like some cassette on like Shrimper Records or something like that with like six songs about like, you know going to sweden or whatever oh you're back yeah see there's more bounce there, there it, it, it's quicker to bounce back uh ah. when it's on your network uh than it is with mine for mm -hmm. a, you know a variety of reasons the least of which being that uh i don't pay for internet here as such ah beggars can't be choosers in that way yeah so and, uh, yeah, but it's a uh, sorry not to uh, not to interrupt there. No worries. I find that heritage homes tend to have like there's something in the walls that makes the internet shittier in general. <laughs> From my experience, yeah. also like something in the plaster. But it's uh, uh, it's an acceptable uh, you know trade off I think for me you know considering the exactly uh, upgrades. I'm like. I can I'm, with this place. It's just it's so sick. I mean, I just, I could turn the computer just a few more inches, and it'd just be like, oh, you know, there's the other chandelier, or mm -hmm. you know, there's the Korean, like Marco Polo replica yeah. on the mantle. Like, anyway, sorry, Val. Please continue. That's okay. Well, it's kind of I was kind of wrapping up there, but yeah, like, anyways, okay. it was just this. I thought it was cool to find out about you know this band that was part of like a very small niche international scene of like a different kind of just like lo-fi diy fun music um, that i found out about because of someone i know of because we both like fucking weird indie wrestling um and we're part of one internet community that decided to start a different one to talk about music together and this dude like lives in japan and is sending me music recommendations over here in halifax wow <laughs> for his friends like fun synth project uh, so anyway that was my first pick how about yours matt okay well i like the uh, really cerebral and thoughtful uh, approach because i would not have uh, necessarily uh, anticipated that not that it's uh, surprising as such it's like, hey you're really uh, 
you're really bringing it. So I guess for me, you know, I look at the I look at about 70% of my record collection and it's more or less some variety of punk or alternative music. Mm-hmm. It's fine because I got like just a lot of records and I'll just take a moment to sort of say like when I'm out and about uh, and listening to music, it tends to be just like literally there's like mm-hmm. three or four or five records that I even listen to um, in that way. But then when I come back to my place, you know, wherever that happens to be, uh, I just throw on vinyl until I go to bed or, you know, right when I get up in the morning. So, uh, you know, it's it's not just like a Instagram gimmick, although a lot of it kind of is. But I guess when I sort of look at my collection as a whole, when I look at like what's not, you know, punk or alternative or whatever kind of music, um, I'm like, well, what even is that? So I try to uh, sort of, right, I, I sort of separated out like, Oh, oh, and we're back. Hey. More robust internet. Um, so, like, I try to. Uh, you know, I was like, I got a pathetically low amount of rap records, as it turns out. But where I tend to have like more volume in my collection, typically, like if I just go into a record store and sort of go gravitate towards something, mm-hmm. I listen to just. Uh, you know, since I started with the collection, you know, seriously, a couple of years back, I'm just like uh, soul music from the 40s, 50s, 60s and uh, 70s. It's just really mm-hmm. you don't have to convince me of anything. Right. So uh, Sam Cooke. Uh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. The first the first mile of the way. And what do you see here is like Sam Cooke making his breakout from being a group gospel artist to his initial foray into being a solo singer um and what we have here is a triple uh, 10 inch so that in itself as far as a record format just tickles my nerddom mm-hmm. uh, and uh, tickles my nerddom dan that's what it does uh and it was also one of the first things i got at sunrise records the uh, corporate records chain but they actually uh i guess they're locally franchised okay and uh the one at McAllister Place Mall in St. Ooh, McAllister Place. Wow. I work basically five minutes a walk away from McAllister mm-hmm. Place. So it's like my transit point uh, to and from uptown St. John. And so I just wander around there. You know, I'll get my veggie burger at A&W and then also see what's up here in terms of vinyl. So just in terms of the packaging here, just besides mm-hmm. the fact like a three record where it starts out like the soul stirrers, you know, the group ensemble. Mm-hmm. So the, the for second one, uh, the second one, or the first record, the second record is like the soul stirrers live, uh, like a full gig. And then the third one is like so uh, demos, like mm-hmm. Cook, you know, private, whatever industry demos, uh, making his way into his uh, solo career. Um, but not only that, I mean, it's just one of these packages like where this is the kind of shit that makes me glad to be a record collector. It comes with this like envelope and then inside the envelope is like time specific memorabilia, like just correspondence, handwritten letters uh, and like little replicas of like the original media billings, like just all this random just paper that they just stuffed into it and i'm like they didn't have to freaking do that it's just like uh the care that goes into that Mm -hmm. right so 
Yeah, even like gospel and spiritual records, you know, circa 1960, whatever. So uh, apart from the fact that it takes someone who I consider just like one of the best vocalists, you know, of the 20th century at all, if not ever, uh, and the care and that goes into that. And then, I mean, it's just a formative time in a fantastic, you know, serious artist mm-hmm. uh, kind of finding their way from, you know, their early stage career to ultimately, you know, become known for one of the best soul singers ever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's one of the things I, uh, I grabbed at here. But it's, uh, cool. Yeah, man. So what's your All right. Two? My number two, well, this is one that, like, I guess a name that was kind of in the news for unfortunate reasons uh, around the time that this topic first got proposed, but, like, oh, hey, and you're back again. All right. Anyways, like I was saying, uh, this is, but, like, you know, in my mind, stands, you know, up there with, like, your Dylans and your Bob Marley's, your Leonard Cohen's as just, like, icons of music. Uh, and that's Sinead O'Connor. Like, okay. yeah. Like, rest in peace to the God kind of thing. Um, is she just, I mean, she just passed away recently. But, like, and it was, and I hadn't, honestly, hadn't thought about her music in a while. But, like, it was just such a huge part of, like, say that, like, late 80s, early 90s, just, like, you know, the world at the time. Very much. Like, you know, and like, I mean, her, I guess her second album was a real breakout. I do not want, and I have not got, but even like, you know, Lion in the Cobra, like, I remember that kind of like some of the videos from that getting play on like much music, like, you know, when I was young and just sort of trying to figure out what stuff was. And, uh, but still, like, you know, like she was just such a, you know, such an innovator. Like, I didn't realize, I, I watched that uh, documentary that Showtime did about her uh, a couple years ago, Nothing Compares, um, to sort of prepare for this. And, like, I didn't realize that she was, like, a survivor of, like, the Magdalene Laundries in Ireland. Yeah. That's the, and, yeah, like, that victimized her sexually. Like, she was... Yeah, she, that was, like, the... Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, that was sort of where all that happened. And, like, you know, which makes it understandable certain, you know, things that she did later on in her career. As, and the reason that she was so outspoken about stuff that she was outspoken well, about, but it was just she suffered a great personal tragedy too, right? Like her son oh, definitely. died suicide yeah. that long ago. Yeah, like her life was not easy, no. but like you know, she was just she was amazing. Like very much. There's no way to describe her other than just amazing. Like you know, I've watched uh, it's her version of like the I think it's a traditional Irish song that I'm stretched on your grave uh that's on the uh it's it's also on uh i do not want what i have not got and it's just like it just sends chills down my spine and i've listened to it so much and it's just her like there's a really good actually i'll put the i'll put the live video of it uh that i've been watching a bunch on youtube uh in the in the notes it's just her it's her on stage with a a reel-to-reel machine just playing like a James Brown drum loop and then singing this like beautiful traditional Irish song over top of it, just like heart wrenchingly. And it's just, you know, it's like she, you know, she didn't like people. Yeah. Like people shamed her because she wasn't what they thought she was supposed to be, you know, in terms of like, you know, some sort of 
popular music performer where she did what she wanted to do she said what she wanted to say and she did not give a fuck and you know made amazing art in the process and you know had a hard life definitely but like you know it's just it was kind of great to be reminded how good all the stuff she did was even if it was unfortunately because of her passing but like yeah like i just had yeah with that topic especially it's just like i had to include her on my list you know like yeah no for sure man uh what you're describing like sort of the uh I don't know, post-humus appreciation. That's kind of uh, what I experienced when uh, Mark Lanigan uh, mm. from Trees passed away uh, February 2nd, 2022, or mm. February 22nd, 2002. Uh, and I just, like, I was like, I'd been aware of him as a singer. I'd, you know, checked out yeah. some of his releases, but uh, I was just like, okay, I'm going to, like, go all in. I'm going to read his book. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get a bunch of the records and what you're describing just like when you realize like even after the fact like wow this person just really opened themselves up a lot and uh you know we uh gave us gave us more than what we probably deserved exactly <laughs> you know and thank goodness they did right really yeah echoes. so good call man yeah. um oh one other thing i wanted to mention about Sinead O'Connor though is that course. like in looking at her early stuff, it was really yeah. like interesting seeing how much she embraced hip hop early on as well. Like she had MC Light on a remix of one of the songs from her first album, like okay. before people really knew who either of them would have been. Right, like, right. and it's just like this weird meeting of the two. But it's like MC Light kind of fits perfectly because she's like you know a really strong, outspoken like you know female rapper from New York. You know, with this like very strong outspoken like female singer from ireland and they just kind of like met in the middle on this you know kind of cool remix of her song but anyways and yeah anyways. It's, a, it's a little bit uh conceptually more advanced than like uh you know uh run dmc and aerosmith yeah. <laughs> anyways i will turn okay. mine over to you okay uh but seriously i think actually just like again i kind of just grab stuff that uh from my box of so in my new system i've got like just you know i got the punk music or the rock yeah. music and then i got in, in certain boxes and then the other boxes and it's got everything else so i went through the everything else and i think this actually kind of speaks pretty well to uh you know you're talking about Sinead. uh nina simone oh nina simone, uh, and her friends an intimate variety of vocal charm and this is like early in her career because, I mean, it just, it, it, it is, it came out in 1960. Uh, and, you know, so it would have just been like one of her probably first recorded albums. And it's all, you know, like American songbook kind of stuff for a mm -hmm. lot of it. But like, just the fact that even at this point in her career, uh, she has like four or five originals on here. Okay, so that song, he's got the whole world in his hands that, you know, mm -hmm. got, like, she, according to this, she wrote it. Like, she's credited as the Oh, wow. So I didn't know that. Um, and then, well, okay, so maybe it's just her arrangement of it, because then I see it's like, I love you. She did not write, I love you. Yeah. So, okay. Um, uh, yeah, so anyway, I mean, just speaking as to me, someone I can just listen to forever. So, mm -hmm. like, I kind of, when I look at my 
you know, pop music or my rock or whatever, I just like, man, there's really lamentable lack of female representation here. I'll be, you know, just the middle class friggin' douche that I am. But mm-hmm. but then when I look at, you know, my soul music and jazz and whatever, I'm like, it's like almost, you know, it's not 50-50, but it's a lot more evenly skewed. So, mm-hmm. um, and I just look at someone like me and Simone who, I mean, you want to talk about somebody who struggled personally uh, with mental health crises, with people writing her off in her career. Uh, there's a Netflix documentary about mm. Nina, and it's actually like an older documentary because I remember seeing it like at least five years ago. It might even be longer. Um, and it just, uh, but really, you know, uh, one thing, I don't remember you, uh, Gary Oldman as a thief with a young girl. What's that movie? <sighs> The professional, beyond the professional. Yes, 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 there yes. There was like a running thread where he and this girl, little girl, he's protecting. Uh, you know, this honorable thief protecting this little girl, or mm-hmm. you know, this, I can't remember which. Uh, their point of connection is they both like Nita Simone, and I remember seeing this like on DVD in Halifax, <laughs> and I was like, you know, just before the internet, more or less, yeah. before the had movies on it, and like. You know, down on friggin' like Pepperell Street or some, you know, whatever. We're going to get this remedy by next time, Dan. Okay. <laughs> the dropping out here, uh, but we're coming back here pretty well. And um, I was dating uh, a woman uh, who just like, she was like, the relationship did not last, nor was it meant to, but she really gravitated to Nina Simone because mm-hmm. she was a very, uh, Powerful, strident young woman uh, in her own way. And uh, yeah, I'm just like, so since I got back onto, I'm just going to own all the vinyl that I can. Like anytime I go past her in the shop, I'm just like, yep, yep, yep. So actually, uh, I got to give credit to London Drugs in downtown Kamloops for uh, hooking me up with a a few of her releases, uh, including that. So uh, it's just, you know, it's like with Sam Cooke, you know, it's the same level of like, personal, you know, passion and personal like intensity given over to like, well, it's American songbook or it's like a gospel number or whatever, but it's like, they own it. They're just making it their own in so many ways. You just can hear, you know, where they're coming from. These young people, you know, in their twenties or whatever, like just, you know, uh, I, I'm saying this now, like the young Nina Simone, the young Sam Cooke, because uh, now I just see most people as being, oh, you're young. So anyway, bud, uh, kind of a ramble there at the end. That's but, okay. Uh, that was number two, so. All right. Yeah, so my number three is uh, one of my favorite summertime uh, records of the past couple years, uh, which is Tyler, Tyler, the Creator's Call Me If You Get Lost. You mentioned Tyler, the Creator, before on this show, have you not? Yes. And, I mean, this album was kind of, it's his most recent album, and I gotta say, it it was the first one that really where he really clicked for me. Like, I mean, he's somebody who's been around for like probably at least over a decade now, um, making music, you know, on his own and with uh, Odd Future, like the collective he was part of. Right. And like, I, I gotta be honest, like the the early stuff, I just never really clicked with me. It was just a little kind of edge lord edge lordy at times, and just like <laughs> not necessarily where I was at. But right. like. Everybody gets older. Everybody goes through things. Um, yep. And it's 
Call Me If They Get Lost, it's not like a, an official concept album, but it's kind of a loose concept album just about like trying to work through the end of a really messy love triangle while realizing you may not be the hero of the story. Um, uh-huh. While also having the nagging little voice in the back of your head saying like, fuck it, let's just go party. Like, who cares? Why do we need to process? Why do we need to learn things? Um, that's all set up by like, you know, it's a mix of like this kind of almost like Wes Anderson-y travelogue with a lot of kind of like bossa nova sounds behind it and like really kind of bright pastel aesthetics in the album art and like accompanying videos and stuff and like you know sort of a lot of travel themes where you know he's carrying like a like an old time suit you know, like an old-fashioned suitcase in like all of the videos and stuff and usually in some form of transit um and yeah it'll mix from like yeah these songs sort of going a little deeper into like talking about parts of his past that he might not have been more open about like you know his mom experiencing homelessness early in his music career and like that kind of thing and just sort of like where he was at like sort of talking about how he's been trying to work on himself and grow as a person while also being an also as an artist while at the same time having uh you know sort of long time iconic like mixtape dj uh, dj drama <laughs> or like who was like you know he was the host of a lot of like mixtapes for like folks like little wayne uh back in the aughts who he plays sort of the voice of the id the whole time who will like pop up in songs just being like yeah we're having a great time here we're eating ice cream with supermodels come on let's go on the boat and then like you know it'll go into like yeah just a song sort of referencing more the sort of ongoing drama that he'd been working through but like yeah with all these little drops like other little side drops just sort of showing the side the side of things that just makes him you know what he thinks about just sort of just saying like fuck it let's go party instead why do we have to think about this (laughs) um but like just it's some of you know some of the better music he's done as well like he's like he works a lot with like frank ocean who's like ghost written for everybody (laughs) as well and like you know, he's as on like he's like he's one of the like the one of the better hip hop producers of the past twenty years, and okay. it's just kind of like I feel like he's just finding new legs, uh, these like with his past couple releases, and like yeah, just mature. I hate to say maturing a little bit, but maturing a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, there was sort of a deluxe reissue of the album. Like it came out in twenty twenty one, but they did they re released it with a del- deluxe edition this year with like a bunch of bonus tracks. And like remixes and that kind of thing. Like some of the songs are pretty short. Yeah, deluxe, deluxe. And it's like, you know, some of the songs are just as long as they need to be. You know, it might only be 80 seconds worth of an idea, but it's a good 80 second idea. And like, that's it. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just like, it's an album that like you can put on and have in the background. And it's just like, you know, a really like good, well-produced kind of, interesting fun hip-hop record but you sit down and listen to it and it's like oh yeah you know this guy was going through some shit um and yeah it's just one of my it's something that just feels more like something you would listen to in the summer um and so yeah i, I and it put that on my list as well did you say pardon this this album came out earlier this year did you say uh the deluxe edition came out this year it was originally okay. released in 2021 gotcha yeah. No, man, that sounds rad. And what I, you know, really appreciate about rap and hip hop is like, you know, not even just in a reactionary way, but they're just like, 
they're way less high bound, uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, typical quote unquote music formats, because like they're literally starting with the voice, uh, you know, and whatever can be, you know, at whatever's at hand, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's the starting point as opposed to, you know, the grandiloquent, uh, friggin' classical, whatever Euro song structure that the inheritance is of rock, right? Yep. Well, um, and uh, I guess I'm just going to kind of go through here now, and because uh, there's a few. Um, so this is the kind of thing too, where it's like I don't ever talk about my interests just like in jazz enough, mm-hmm. uh, and. So this is a Wynton Kelly trio with Wes Montgomery. So Wynton Tell- Kelly, uh, and I can't even tell you, he's a, a piano player, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, but uh, Wes Montgomery, you know, guitar player extraordinaire. Um, and this is just one of those things where it's like, I see it, it's $29. Like, I'm just going to get it because why the hell not? Mm-hmm. And then I throw it on and I'm never disappointed. <sighs> It's just smoking. It's just yeah. like, it's, you know, it's like, um, and I was sort of, you know, music without the vocal on it. It's yeah. like, you can just sort of throw it on and just kind of be around it. It doesn't require mm-hmm. the same, you know, level of attention. But then when you do pay attention to it, it's uh, friggin' deeply rewarded because it's like, really, these guys are just doing that. Um, and, uh, yeah, Wes Montgomery uh, was introduced to me by, uh, you remember for Fredericton, uh, a guy named Nick Vipond? Oh, yes, I remember Nick Vipond. Right. His dad was a psych prof at uh, yes. Stu, and he, you know, was like, I don't know, <laughs> I met him at FHS. Uh, he was like a year or two behind me, and, uh, you know, he just became part of the crew that kind of we associated with and hung out mm-hmm. with and hung out with at Officer Square and whatever. Uh, the next thing, you know, as a younger man, and I haven't been in touch with him, you know, a long, long, long time, definitely too long. Nick, if you're listening to this, add me on Facebook, pal, or whatever. Uh, but but uh, he was somebody who just, like, he had, like, he was, like, the one per people out of my friends who, like, he knew about jazz at a pretty high level because he. Man. Okay. Um, All right. Uh, I really like this Wes Montgomery and Winton Kelly trio record, Dan. Nice. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. It's it's all right. It's good. Um, and I definitely appreciate throwing on uh, the jazz music and doing. <laughs> I can't, I can't. I'm getting defeated by glitching out here, man. I don't know. Oh, do you want to? Yeah, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to say thank you to Nick Vipon, uh, sincerely, pal, if you're listening, for getting me on to this stuff. Uh, it's been a persistent interest in my life, and I like can't even tell you what instrument. Okay, it's back. Is it? <laughs> but yeah, this could be half an episode. I still had a couple, t- a couple, two more things I wanted to talk about. 
Um, please, please do. Did you want to keep these? Do these now, or should we? Let's do it. Go for it. Okay. Um, I'll try and do it quick-ish, but yeah. Anyways, I had two other things I wanted to talk about. Uh, the first of which is one is uh, a piece of, I guess, Canadian rock history, sort of, uh, that got unearthed recently uh, through uh, Supreme Echo Records that I've mentioned before on the show. Uh, from Shout out to Jason and Victoria with the store and the awesome reissues label. Uh, and this is a band from Victoria called from circa late 60s, early 70s called As Sheriff. Um, and uh, their LP, sort of pot, their many years posthumous LP that just got released this year, uh, Six Ways to the Ace. And uh, yeah, As Sheriff are kind of like bluesy, folky, psychedelic rock. Like, it's very much like this isn't like, you know, your 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 friendly like listen to the flower people like you know ready for you know sort of plastic you know plastic flower child kind of stuff like these are like you know dirty freak out hick you know 60s psychedelia types uh you know singing songs about dodging the draft and hating the man um and it's just you know it's 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 just a like i guess the reason that jason initially found out about the band is he managed like they put out one single like in the early seventies with just, you know, it's like song and a B side. That's it. Like two tracks. And he heard it and was like, these guys are from Victoria. Like what the hell? <laughs> and, uh, you know, did everything he could to track them down. Like he tracked down the two surviving members of the band. Um, and, you know, found this one recording they did at a local radio station, I think, um, you know, back in the early seventies. And uh, yeah, it's just like a, cool little tidbit of canadian rock history because wow. you don't really think when you think of like canadian music in the 60s you know it's like it's got a bachman or a turner or <laughs> or an overdrive somewhere in there usually or like one of those guys or you know like a burton cummings or something maybe a little oh, yeah. young but like these guys Which were kind of holding it down on the west coast like they seemed sort of like the kind of band that, like, if the Doors came through Vancouver, they probably would have opened up for them. Like, that kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, it's just, like, a cool little piece of Canadian rock history that uh, Jason does. And, uh, yeah, it's available on the Supreme Echo Bandcamp. I'll put the link in the notes. Um, and I did have one other thing that I wanted to talk about on the show. Please uh, do, dude. Because I took anything but punk. And, you know... I, it's it's as we talked about earlier I, I i can't remember if it was in the first version of the show or the second version of the show uh the second version of the intro that we did that you know things have been getting a little hectic in terms of like fires and storms and that sort of thing and you get a little stressed out and sometimes you know i'm a person that's like prone to anxiety and depression anyway so sometimes i just need to fucking laugh and i appreciate a good novelty song every once in a while uh oh. and you know in when used in moderation and the thing that's been sort of hitting that sweet spot for me lately is the northern boys uh i don't know if you're familiar with the northern boys at all uh there are a couple elderly retired ex-teachers from uh northern england uh patrick carney and northern pa norman Payne, um and uh 
their their mate Kev, who's their backup dancer, who's just another elderly gentleman who wears a suit and goes like this in the background while they're performing. And uh, their songs are very liberally cribbed from usually from other artists' tracks, like so they're like popular dance music or like you know their first song, Party Time, uh, was basically takes the beat from uh, American Boy by Estelle. Um, but yeah, it's just these two old men from Northern England just rapping incredibly like just inspired filthy lyrics about drugs and that you know the chorus of the song one of the lines in the chorus of the song is do you want to make love to a sad old man Um, (laughs) it's just yeah just complete you know just silly gonzo lyrics over top of like fun catchy beats they have four songs uh it's party time nobody likes me um all aboard the sexy train and uh, I can't remember what the other song is, but yeah, it's just, like I said, these two little old men from Northern England who rap and they've, uh, yeah, you know, they've just, they've released four songs, three of them are on streaming. It's the, there's entertaining music videos. They're very supportive of like the LGBTQ community in England at a time when a lot of people are very vocally, not that. Um, And that's been a thing that's sort of like, People have sort of like, you know, has gained, garnered there's some fans. Cause like I said, there's two little old men that you wouldn't expect to be like allies while also talking about like doing ludicrous amounts of cocaine and basically like, you know, like saying they don't need a car cause they can just crawl home like a beetle. Um, and just <laughs> with the delivery, like I said, it's these, it's just sometimes I need a goddamn laugh. And sometimes that laugh is provided by watching these two little old men from Northern England rap about like, drugs and ludicrous sex and how their wives hate them and make them sleep in the front yard and like you know it's just it's it's fun it's you know i don't think i don't know if the the joke would hold up for a full album but like four or five songs that's that's fine for me (laughs) like you know put them on need a laugh entertain there we go and you know they see like i said you know they're not it doesn't seem like they're doing anything from like a mean-spirited place at all um, you know, one or two ex-wife references aside, but I mean, hey, what are you gonna do? Um, but like, yeah, it's just fun, silly novelty, like pop hip hop music with you know, mining that trope of old person says incredibly filthy things. Um, the Northern Boys, check them out. Hey, anyone who's listening to this or watching this, uh, this is Matt, and this is uh, about a month after three weeks, three weeks after the episode was recorded. Um, I greatly apologize for the choppiness of the video feed. Uh, We're dealing with a different kind of internet connection here than what uh, I was accustomed to in Kamloops, and so hence... uh, a number of not-so-subtle and extremely tiresome and exhausting little uh, dropout segments there. Speaking of dropouts, uh, kids, don't forget to stay in school. This is Matt from the future signing off and saying, better video quality and connection 
on the next episode of Today New Brunswick. Tomorrow the world. Thank <laughs> you.